tell me more about Tom Brady's balls, Pep. What are they? <laughs> He's well, they're Roman numerals they're... Uh, all over them, I guess. <laughs> so I, I love seeing big dingers. Jeez. Uh, Every sports fan has an opinion. Well, these are ours. Ours. Welcome to Brock and Pep's unsportsmanlike convo. And here are your hosts, Brock Fleming and Pep Cariotti. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. How are we doing today? It's <laughs> July 22nd, 2021. I'm your host, Brock Fleming. And on the other side... I'm not your boy, toy. Sexy boy, Pep Cariotti. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> I'm good, man. July 22nd. Did I say 22nd? I think you said 22nd. What, uh, you got 22nd on your brain? What's going? What's on the 22nd of July? Uh, well, it's the day before Curse's birthday. I'm not sure if that's... Uh, hmm. You know what? I'm just... Okay. Uh, to be honest, it's been quite the last few days. Um, so, uh, yeah, I probably just messed it up. That's... Uh, as par for the course, um, those that <laughs> don't know, uh, you know, my grandmother passed this weekend. Uh, so, um, you know, obviously my heart felt uh, condolences to uh, my mother. It was her mother and uh, uh, my uncle and my aunt and stuff as well. It was one of them that, uh, you know, we had that conversation last week when we were on and, uh, you know, she's kind of going through a rough time. And I think it was, I mean, it was her time. She was... Mm. I think ready for it, and uh, you know, I hope she's happy. You know, up. Oh, with, guys, uh, I didn't. I had father. I didn't know. I actually didn't know. I knew you, you had mentioned last week about, you know, the situation. But I'm really sorry. My deepest condolences, guys. I, I had no idea. And uh, wow, I'll draw. I'll send a message to your mother as soon as I as soon as I have the opportunity to. Yeah, we didn't. Uh, none of us like posted on Facebook or anything like that. It's, uh, you know, I don't know. I just didn't feel right. Uh, to do that, and we were kind of dealing our own way. Um, for sure. Again, a relief or not, um, it's a you know, it's a it's a sad time. It's a different um, you know chapter in our lives. Now I'm I don't have any grandparents left, and um, you know what I mean. Like you're just getting older and going through that. Um, yeah. Add the fact too. Um, condolences to the Kundle family. Uh, really good friends of my uh, of our family. Um, my dad's uh, good friend Johnny, his older brother Freddie, passed away uh, this weekend as well. Um, so another uh, another death there. And then uh, most recently, um, you know, a kid that uh, was uh, part of the CFI family. So for mm. again, those who don't know, I, I uh, run a, a football training thing with uh, um, you know our buddy Scott, um, and we do um, you know high level football training. Sorry, I got distracted. I got an alert that came in. Obviously, I, I didn't turn that off my computer, so I apologize. Uh, but one of our kids um, was murdered over the weekend down uh, downtown playing basketball at an elementary school uh, somewhere around York and Murray and Beausoleil, I think. Um, so I know police are looking for uh, suspects and help of the public. So if there's anybody that lives in that area or was driving by that area Sunday night, mm -hmm. um, you know, anytime you know, between nine and like midnight, I think, um, and has any security cam footage or anything. I mean, speak up. Um, but, uh, you know, just another needless death due to gun violence. And it's, uh, the kid was a good kid. A lot of, uh, a lot of 
upside to him. And, you know, you hear a story, his father moved them from a, a war-torn country to Canada mm-hmm. to escape that kind of violence and to have your mm-hmm. son get gunned down like that and needlessly mm-hmm. is, is disgusting. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that news. Terrible. And uh, I'll post a GoFundMe. There's a GoFundMe for his funeral and stuff like that. I'll put it out on Facebook if anybody wants to donate. Um, and then another kid that I coached is, uh, you yeah, know, I'm not going to say his name, but uh, he's going through a, a cancer thing right now that, uh, you know, again, 20-year-old kid, uh, everything ahead of him. I think it's a, it's a treatable cancer, uh, but cancer nonetheless. And you know what I mean? It really puts life into perspective really quickly. Um, mm. And, uh, yeah, so mm. that's why I don't remember what date it is. Although I should because oh. on a lighter note, uh, it is the birthday of a real good friend of mine uh, and of the shows, uh, Troy Beaupre who's a big Leaf fan, but the T-Dog Bopes is birthdays today. So uh, shout out, happy birthday to you, Troy. Mm. Man, that's a lot to digest. You know, uh, death is just so difficult to deal with on every level. And, uh, you know, I actually came across my Facebook today and found out a guy that uh, I I didn't work with uh, side by side, but had a lot of interaction with over the course of the, uh, over the course of my career at the hospital. Um, I think he worked in printing. Um, his name is Wayne, and he just like the nicest guy. And he passed away. Uh, he fought a he fought a good fight. It was actually a, a, a type of cancer that you know, normally a lot quicker. He fought a good fight, and he was just in great spirits over the course of uh, of his time with with cancer. And uh, I hadn't seen him since the pandemic, so you know I would have liked to spend a little more time with him. But my condolences to him and his family and all the Ottawa Hospital employees who have to uh, um, you know deal with this loss. And uh, yeah, Christian, man, that's, I, I echo that sentiment. I actually didn't I know. It, and I, uh, you know, I had a couple things going on this weekend myself and uh, my condolences to you guys, all the entire Fleming family. Like <clears throat> I know if you guys don't know the Flemings, it's just like just good souls who care about the, their community and care even deeper about their best friends and their family. And I could just imagine. So I echoed that sentiment, uh, Christian. Well, Christian actually knows yeah. my grandmother. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, we go back okay. to the days of Naismith three-on-three basketball tournament. That for those who don't know, the museum of the Naismith Museum is up in Almont. That's where the yep. Inventor basketball is from. So they'd have this big tournament, and uh, we would go up. And Christian and I were part of uh, the first couple teams that we had put together, and we had annually gone up there. And what was beautiful of it was that my grandparents' house was right on Main Street. So. We had huh. oftentimes the net that was our age group or whatever it was, was right in front of their house. So when everybody's sitting around in the grass and they're trying to find places to go to the washroom and do whatever, mm-hmm. we're up on the, the veranda with my grandparents and my grandmother's making us snacks and we have access to everything. So we were probably had an advantage too because of uh, the hospitality that we had yeah. during the tournament. But uh, yeah, Christian, uh, Charles Sanford, uh, Chris Stack, uh, James Kelly came up. Uh, played a couple times too. Uh, That's quite the team. Anyway, we uh, Sean McGowan. We got the one year Sean played. Who's back in Ottawa? Sean, welcome back to Ottawa. Yeah, uh, we got kicked out, and that was uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was the organizer's son. I think was on the team, yeah. and he tried to dunk over me, and I wasn't having it. And then something else, and the organizer came out, and Sean got in his face. Anyway, we got kicked out, and I was so embarrassed. And my grandmother was like. She was totally supporting us. She's like, the hell with those guys. Hey, Let's go get something to eat. A little something about Sean McGowan that probably not a lot of people know. Um, outside of, and I never had to play against him in practice, because and he was always on my team, so thank God for that. 
But outside of Matt Putvin, who I'd play against one-on-one after my our careers were done, he was Matt was definitely the hardest player I had to play against, length and size and grit, and he'd, he'd just get in your face. Uh, but probably the hardest guy I've ever had to play against, he went to my rival high school, was Sean McGowan. He was... He could do a lot. He didn't have the range necessarily that, that maybe I had, but he had the inside game because he oh, was yeah. an inside player. And he could get you, once he got you on his hip, you're you're done. And uh, there's no stopping him. I remember he was he was probably the hardest player I had to play against. So, Sean was awesome. Sean was also my uh, partner in crime when we would split one of those Pillsbury dough cookie dough rolls <laughs> on <laughs> yes, the bus yes, ride yes. to Montreal before our Excellent. game with Heritage. Yeah. I don't wonder why I'm uh, on friggin' meal plans now. Anyway, hey, uh, I, before we uh, uh, before we move on, Brock, I wanted to wish my good friend Daryl DeWard uh, just best wishes. Um, uh, I don't want to go through a whole timeline of this kid's life, but you know, Daryl's my slightly older than me, not much, not much. And uh, 2010, he has a heart attack. 2013, he has a bigger heart attack. You know, he's diabetic. He loses all function in his organs. Uh, they regenerate except for his kidney, which is severely damaged. He lives with, you know, kidney failure essentially for a couple of years before he has to go on dialysis. Crazy. And dialysis is no cakewalk, right? You, you got to go in and spend three hours draining yourself three times a week. He finally needs a kidney transplant, gets one, um, has some issues with his, with his toes. Uh, lack of blood circulation down there can create an infection. He's in the cryo chamber three, four times a week. And again, that's no picnic either. You're again, that's a couple of hours, uh, three or four times a week. So he does that. Uh, you know, his mom dies. He has some personal stuff that goes on with his personal life. And now he had his leg amputated, uh, from just slightly below the knee. Um, so, the, but always in good spirits and man, Daryl, always in good spirits, always in good spirits. And Daryl, I don't see you nearly enough. Um, Part of that's me. Part of that is, you know, you, you live out in Cumberland, which isn't always easy to get to. Um, you don't no have to call him out. Necessarily. And, yeah, tell him, oh, you live in the boonies, so I can't see Well, it. you oh, know, it's, it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> but so anyway, I, I'm going to make a concerted effort to see him more often. And uh, again, keep keep up the great positive attitude. It, I, it can't be easy. And, you know, and my advice to you is if you got to be sad, be sad. Like, um, you know, you don't always have to be. Uh, putting on a good face it's not easy you've been through a lot and uh, but you're still standing and you're still hanging in there and fighting this and <clears throat> anyway it's it's uh he's a remarkable guy and i plan to be there for him yep we got your back everybody's supporting yeah. you uh and so i'm double vaxxed yeah so am i uh um, oh you are oh, okay yeah All right. well, i just didn't few. feel like i needed to tell everybody <laughs> I feel I made a point of not like uh, taking nice, a picture of me nice. at, fa- uh, you know, on Facebook that I was getting my double shot and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, at know. first I thought, why do people post this? And then I realized, you know, uh, I think the more people that post it, the, the easier it becomes for other people who are hesitant, whether they're just scared of needles or vaccines in general, not necessarily COVID vaccine, just vaccines in general. People get nervous to be injected with anything. So yeah. I think for me personally, I decided to, to make it public because I make a lot of stuff public. Um, <clears throat> I thought if people see a guy like me who's pretty active on social media, I think it's safe to say, um, then they might be a bit more comfortable getting it done. So 
You know, that's, I mean, that's the biggest thing that I went through when I went to, should I get a vaccine or not was who on Facebook is getting it? Like, who should I follow? How many followers do you have? And I'll, I'll decide whether I get a vaccine based on if Pep gets his vaccine. (laughs) (laughs) You'd be surprised, man. You'd be surprised how many people are like, just, just need to be swayed just a little bit to one direction to to make that a choice, like, like of that magnitude. You know, it's funny. Anyway. I hear you. All right. I got to figure out right. while you're bringing into the next topic here, I'm going to figure out. What is out happening over there? Yeah, you're the, Brock is one of the most popular guys in the, in the city. If you, if people don't know Brock, uh, he's just a social butterfly. His phone's always going off. People calling him left and right. Anyway, Hey, game four of the Stanley cup finals was yesterday. And we're staying alive, baby. You know it. Ah, and hey, I would like to tell uh, you the TSN turning point. In this game. Well, then tell me. Let's let's start with that. Game four. I've got a couple text messages from people that I know. Carol's son, Jesse, being one of them, during game three, <laughs> saying, please okay. cheer for Tampa already. Um, because the jinx is real. Curse okay. and I bet on the Habs yesterday. I thought there's no way they're going to lose. But he bets on them, you know, minus one and a half. So they're going to win by two, right? Okay. Well, of course they don't. But as soon as it goes overtime, I've lost that bet anyway. Now, as soon as I'm like, you know what? The hell with them. Let's go Tampa. Let's finish it off because I'm done with them. It was perfect. Either the Habs make me money and I'm happy and they win or they lose and I go back to my distaste for them. So I start cheering for Tampa. Curtis, same thing. Within what? They score three minutes into the overtime or something like that after they kill the penalty. So that's the TSN turning point is that the Fleming brothers are back on Tampa and we are the jinx for any team. So we will continue I, to do that in support well, of the Habs. You're talking to the king of jinxes over here, so I I, I, I feel you. Um, it's wild stuff. The uh, I thought the Habs lineup changes made uh, all the difference. Actually, you know, uh, they decided to sit Gustafsson and uh, John Merrill, and they brought in uh, Kulak, who I think you know Brett Kulak is a lot like Gustafsson and Merrill. They're kind of all interchangeable. Uh, you. you you got to have your finger on the pulse if you're Dom Ducharme with those three guys. But Romanov was a big addition. He was throwing his weight around. He scored a goal. Uh, he brought a little bit of, uh, you know, some of that youth exuberance that they don't have on the back end. They're all old vets. So I thought that move was was uh, a really good move. Uh, maybe too little too late. I would have done it a little earlier. But uh, great to see uh, Romanov in the lineup. Sitting... Uh, Kutkanyemi, I can never pronounce that correctly. Yesperi Kutkanyemi. Um, That's pretty good. I, I don't know how I feel about it, but it worked. I mean, you know, I like Evans. I wanted Evans to get in the lineup. Uh, I, at whose expense? I thought maybe Lekkinen might be the the, the, the right guy to sit. Um, but again, Lekkinen's gritty. He kind of gets in front of the net and mucks it up a bit. So what do you think about sitting a, a young guy like Yesperi, who's, I think he's top two or top three right now in playoff goals for the Habs, to sit him in a game four do or die um, you know, Montreal, I felt really had, even though they won last night and they played pretty well, I, ne- I never felt like they really, if I just watched that game without the, the goals, I would have thought Tampa blew them out. Like it mm-hmm. was just, it was, they just hardly got any pressure. Even shots on, on Vasilevsky were pretty hard to come by. Every time mm-hmm. Tampa had the puck, like it was Given goes, finding guys open. Like it was just, it seemed like anytime Tampa had the puck, it would be a goal. 
Mm-hmm. When it comes to sitting a young player, <clears throat> even though you got a, a you know a bunch of goals and stuff in the playoffs, I think it it becomes uh, a decision for what kind of game are you going to play. So he was skilled; he could put the puck in the net, yes. But Tampa wasn't giving up any space. You needed the mm-hmm. the gritty vets that kind of knew and maybe a little bit bigger to sort of create some havoc and get in there. And, I mean, Perry did that. He was right over top of Vasilevsky a couple times, took a, mm-hmm. a trapper to the mouth, um, you know, try and get him rattled a little bit too. Um, you know, they're, they're, they were changing up their strategy and kind of grasping mm-hmm. at straws and saying, you know what, we need to get the, the big vets in the lineup to mm-hmm. make something happen. Win a playoff hockey game, and that's what they did. Did you read my notes? Did uh, you memorize my notes? That's exactly what I wrote. No, That's actually, creepy, uh, I was too busy trying to get this thing set up. I didn't even get a chance That's to go over really, the notes. Really creepy. Uh, I thought Weber, like, he, not that I'm not sure how healthy he is. He's been dealing with two sprained thumbs most of the playoffs, but he laid his weight around. He finally laid the lumber on a couple of guys. He He's almost a big guy, right? took somebody's life at one point. Uh, I don't Braden know if you saw point. it. Yeah. It was a Braden point. And it was Braden And he point. just like fell before whatever and Weber just missed like the, the cleanup hit that probably would have been series ending for that kid. And, and then hey, listen, again, who you know, knows what happens to Weber at that point, but Hey, Weber's a sixteen year vet. He's got to pick and pick his spots when he comes to throwing his weight around, otherwise he won't last. But like he finally I felt like he finally threw his weight around. I thought Sherratt and Edmondson had Edmondson's been a hitting machine since the start of this series. Um, so, you know, my thoughts on the Habs is like, look, you're not going to, like you said, it felt like Tampa could get whatever they want, whenever they want. They're deep. They can play any style, really. Like if they want to be gritty, they can play gritty. If they want to play up tempo, they're equally as adept at that. Their power play. I mean, I, I heard one, one comment, I think it was John Luce saying their power play, uh, Craig Button said the power, the power play, or sorry, the penalty kill for Montreal was really good. And I thought, really? I mean, Tampa was swinging that puck around like the Harlem Globetrotters. And, uh, you know, Montreal is more of a rope-a-dope when it comes to their penalty kill. They just let you take a shot after shot. And then, you know, when they have their chance, they dump it. I'm like, that's not really aggressive penalty kill. Anyway, I didn't agree with that. I just felt like Tampa could do whatever they want. The turning point for me in a negative way for Montreal for the next game was Price's handling of that 2-2 tying goal near the end of the game with three minutes left for Tampa. It was a two-on-one. And there was a lot of room. Price was way out of his net, number one. Number All two. night again, he was being, out of his net. Yeah, I'm being nitpicky here because, I mean, Price is the reason why they're here even. But uh, he's not having a great series. And he got he was, he went down in butterfly before the player even made an attempt to shoot. Like, there wasn't even a, a fake. He was he was just down. And there was no way he was going to be able to get across. He and made he the save, didn't he? Didn't he make no, the save? He, it went off his pad. And then the other guy, the guy who shot it, got it back and then put it up front of the net. No, I don't. I think it was a pass. Or is that the first one? Pass oh, that was yeah, the kid that was from the first Quebec, one. right? The... Yeah. yeah, that that was the first one. I'm, the, the, this was the game tying goal at, at 2-2 okay. uh, to take it into overtime. You know, and let's face it, a four-minute penalty, that, I mean, it should have been over. Tampa missed their opportunity there. So, again, I, I'm, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. I'm happy the Habs won as a Habs fan. But Tampa really, I felt like they could have taken over the game at any point with their style of play. Do you think, do you think that their mayor suggesting that they lose this game and take it back to Tampa. Do you think there's anything to that? I mean, that's, that's, <clears throat> I think if that was the case, you know, we'd be talking about it. It'd be like Montreal beat them four to one, you know? Mm-hmm. And you say, well, maybe okay. they woke the beast. And you say, well, hold okay. on a sec. 
Uh, <laughs> you know, idiot down in Tampa is selling off that they want to to blow it and whatever. Then sure, but in a in a two two overtime game and the the way Tampa, like, I mean, Kucherov's good. You know, if he's selling yeah, it and he's like, yeah. you know what, I'm just gonna hit the post every time I have the puck yeah. and say that's how we're gonna sell it. No, yeah. like, anyway, no, it's it was an idiotic comment. There is no. Uh, validity to um, to anybody who thinks otherwise. There's no mm-hmm. athlete that's going to be taking what this mayor is mm-hmm. saying. To, oh, just hold <laughs> off and do it at home. Yeah, there is that that spot. So Tampa goes. Eh, if we're going to lose one, we lost one in Montreal. Let's just win it in Tampa and get it over with. Sure, fair. But they're not doing that because the mayor told them to. Fair. Montreal that, snuck cool. a goal in. Uh, John Cooper post game was pretty optimistic. He actually said, uh, they asked him, you know, what would you, what are you going to change for game five? And he said, nothing. He goes, we hit like four posts. Yeah. We had great opportunities. Um, we played really well. I, I, he goes, we had a, an opportunity with a, you know, to win the game uh, on a power play. And we, you know, we had our chances. So, I mean, I, I like that comment. Uh, it, it keeps things positive and he's not, he's not necessarily wrong for me. Mo- the key to Montreal for the rest of this series is they got to turn this series ugly. They got to lay the lumber. They got to slow it down. They got to make it ugly. Um, they can't fly they up and down. They need to score first. They need, and they need, I mean, I think, you know, scoring first for them is probably more important than any other team in the NHL. They need to have a lead. They can't cut play from behind. They're just not built that way. So um, did you like Josh Anderson's play last night? Um, yeah. I mean, I felt like he was one of the best halves on the, on the ice, uh, making some things happen. I find that. Um, I felt like Montreal tries to do too much with the puck to get quality shots. So you know what Price was doing to other teams early in the playoffs, where it was like it was in their head, like with Toronto and stuff. And it was like, oh, they're they got to they're forcing the extra pass, the extra move to try and get uh, the goalie out of position and try mm-hmm. and take advantage of it. And they're like, we can't just yeah. shoot on him; he's going to stop it. So we got to make something. I feel like that's what the Habs are doing, with Vasilevsky, and because of that, the shots are lower. And I'm like, you can't score. Any shot you don't take is a goal that you'll never have a chance of getting in. So I'd mm-hmm. like to see more pucks on net. But otherwise, I think overall, I think Anderson was good. I think Caulfield looked a little hesitant uh, to mm-hmm. me. He's he's already a short, smaller individual. So I think mm-hmm. Tampa's f- physicality is getting to him. He seems to be uh, alligator arming like some passes and some different mm-hmm. things where I'm just like, he's a better stick handler than he's showing. He's just, I think he's a little gun shy. I think he's getting, getting bodied a little bit out there. And it's unfortunate because they need him to, uh, to bring a bit more energy and do some more with the puck. He's got those skills that, uh, you know, not a lot of those haves have necessarily him and Suzuki, mm-hmm. you know, Anderson, those are the guys that need to make something happen on the offensive side. For sure, and I think people forget, you know, that third, that fourth line of Armia, Stahl, and uh, and Perry. I mean, they're 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 great. They're older. Perry's super skilled, but they don't have the wheels anymore. So, really, the one true scoring line is the Anderson, Suzuki, and Caulfield line. You know, I don't consider Dano, Gallagher, and Toffoli a scoring line. I think I like the move bringing Toffoli up to that first line, but uh, you know, and then that third line is Byron, Lekkinen, and Evans, and. That's another gritty line. So Montreal's not loaded with a lot of offensive talent. So for me, they really got to make this a dirty game. 
and control the puck a little bit more and get shots on net. Like you said, get rebounds, get dirty. You're not going to, you're not going to win a shootout. And Vasilevsky is like the, I mean, for me, he's the best goalie in the NHL. He's big, agile, confident. It's got that eye of the tiger look, you know, like he's, he's going to be tough to beat, but Hey, anything can happen. I'm pumped for game five. Um, if they win it and they come back to Montreal, who knows? Maybe they'll let more people in the building. I have no idea. Who knows? The fans seem to be doing a good job outside. That's probably where I'd hang out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, your brother brother for sure knows that. Yeah, he sent um, some interesting videos from outside yeah. the uh, All right. stadium. For Let's just uh, a I'd... quick update on yeah. sporting event that's happening right now. I don't know if you're following it. Are you aware of the superstardom, the multiple seven, eight Super Bowls involved in this one? couple PGA Tour champions. Oh, is that that match play thing? It is the match, yeah. It's, uh, okay, great. Sorry to, sorry to kill, the, <laughs> kill the vibe. I, I, I am not aware of that. I, not Phil, a big golfer myself. Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady are uh, in a match play against Bryson DeChambeau and Aaron Rodgers. I did and, see uh, uh, Tom Brady's uh, golf balls are... Um, he's, he's got all the Super Bowl, I guess, the, all the, sorry. the Roman numerals. Tell me more about Tom Brady's balls, Pep. What are they? <laughs> He's well, they're Roman numerals they're uh, all over them, I guess. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. it's tied right now. It started at five o'clock Eastern. Uh, I have it on the cool. golf channel. Yeah, that's fun. I love the the trash talk. I want to hear more from Rogers right. though, because I feel like Brady would be start to get in his ear a little bit about like what's happening, bud. You playing? Hey, we're that's you know what? I've, that's, let's just let's just get into that topic. I was going to bring it up a little later in the show, but Aaron Rodgers mentioned uh, that this off season he's been spending a lot of his time focusing on his mental health. And he wanted to make make it clear to all his fans and to the Green Bay organization that he's not depressed, but he feels like he it's something that he needs to be cognizant of and take care of so that he doesn't get depressed, um, which I commend. I mean, I think for him to mm-hmm. understand that, you know, this late in his career, um, it's important to take care of his mental health. There's a lot of stress on an older quarterback and a young team. I mean, it, it, all the stress is on him. He's the leader. He's the catalyst. That comes with a lot of stress. You know, the stress of that, how- the stress of being an older athlete that yeah. is facing and approaching the end of that life that he knows, you know, and we know that that's an end. And so how is he dealing with that? What's the, you know, what are the goals? What's, what's he want to accomplish? You know, maybe put a lot of things into perspective where he is a, you know, he's an emotional guy too. You know, you can see it on the field and how he reacts with things. Yeah, he doesn't speak in the media a ton uh, about it, but um, you can see he's a guy that that uh, plays with a lot of passion and wants to win. And if you sort of take all that stuff into yourself, into your mental state, then, you know, you, you end up with these kind of feuds and, and with the media f- uh, fil- uh, fueling it and fans fueling it and all that kind of stuff, speculations here and there. I think it's a great idea for him to sort of step back. Um, again, we've talked about it. He's not missing anything at practice. There's nothing no, in there. A, it's not a new staff. It's not a new playbook. He knows no. everything. So if you are Green Bay and you say, you know what, we're getting Rodgers back and he's you know understands the situation he's in, counts the blessings of the money he has and whatever, yeah. maybe approaches yeah. the situation and the discussions a little bit differently with ownership and presidents to say, you know, here's the pieces we want to get, find that out, whatever. I think that's probably a really good thing for, uh, well, for Rodgers and for the Packers. And I think coming out and saying what he said, I think that that's probably something that the Packers fans should be happy about. Um, it comes across a little more like, 
I just need this time. I have no intention of leaving. You're my franchise. You're my team. And I've had all my success with you guys. So I know I, I want to see him back in Green Bay personally because it's just hard. I mean, it, it, you know, unless there's a, a, somebody up and coming to take his spot, why would Green Bay replace him? That doesn't make any sense to me. Le- well, the whole discussion Bell. is the, the, the Jordan Love thing. He's the up-and-comer. He's the guy they drafted well, for. But anyway. Be- hasn't seen a snap yet. I haven't seen him play really in the NFL, but Le'Veon Bell's name keeps coming up. And this time it's, uh, it's his uh, baby mama. He's only coming up because you follow every Steeler rumor (laughs) thing ever. And they just keep going with all their ex players. Can this guy, can, can, has there ever been a player mess up his career? So as badly as he has, you know, number one running back in the NFL. He was, he, he wanted, he could get anything he wants in Pittsburgh. You want twenty-five or uh, touches on the run? You got it. You want you want us to throw it to you fifteen times? You got it. No, I want more money. Loses out. You know we all know the story. Jets and Chiefs and all that. Now he's he's disrespecting Andy Reid, who you you know like you said last week is probably one of the most well-respected guys in the NFL. Saying I'll never play for him again. He's out of a job as we speak, and now his his baby mama wrote uh, and I quote at Le'Veon Bell. Since you blocked me, I guess we can't talk on here because you only care about what the public thinks. You're the worst effing human being on the planet, and you can't even call yourself a man when you barely take care of your kids. So she goes on, she rambles on a bit more about how she's baby mama number six, which in itself is really not very good. Um, What a hot mess. Do you think a team will still pick him up this year? Maybe not before the season, but do you think like he's like like a mid-season pickup for a team that's desperate for some help? Or do they want this headache? There, there is nothing the NFL wants except for somebody who can play on the field. Everything else seems to go out the window for the most part. We'll get hidden. We'll get like Ray <clears throat> Rice would still be in here if there wasn't a video of him knocking out his girlfriend. Like he would still be picked up because he could still get the job done. Le'Veon Bell can still fit. Uh, and fill a hole for some organization that's going to come with either uh, running back issues, running back health uh, concerns, uh, a running game stalled, whatever it happens to be, there's going to be a, a need at some point. And the value and the price of Le'Veon Bell may drop in order to accommodate that, but there will always be somebody in the NFL who's willing to give this guy a shot. And whether that's right or wrong, we're not the, we're not the judges for that, but I mean... It is what it is. Uh, speaking of sort of along the same lines, Trevor Bauer, some pretty ugly allegations. And the Hall of Fame pitcher Dave Stewart, who you know was on one of those Jays World Series teams, uh, came out and said he has no intention of going to a Dodgers reunion. I guess they won the World Series in the early, nine, early 80s, and he was on one of their teams, which I didn't know. Um, because of how the organization has handled the situation, i.e. they haven't really disciplined uh, Trevor Bauer, they're waiting for more uh, of the investigation or whatever. Um, your thoughts on Dave Stewart's reaction to that? And you know, if you are if you are a, Do- a Dodgers exec, and these allegations come to f- come to light, what do you do with Trevor Bauer? I think the MLB and the Dodgers organization is right where Roger Goodell was with the allegations of Ray mm. Rice. You know, mm-hmm. and they'll take mm-hmm. those sort of actions and maybe a bit of a suspension or maybe something. And then mm-hmm. it'll be like, hey, here's a video of him knocking me with the right cross. And you say, well, mm-hmm. now we can't really, you know, swipe it under the rug or deal with it internally. We mm-hmm. have to, you know, from an optic standpoint, get rid of you or cut you or 
suspended for a year, whatever it happens to be. But right now they're in, uh, you know, it, it seems to be, and, and unfairly so, um, you know, taken as hearsay almost. It's like, well, mm. this is it's one lady's accusation. And, you know, because of the status of the athlete, because of the money involved, because of, um, you know, uh, different situations and scenarios where people have um, gone and tried to blackmail athletes maybe for things and whatever. Um, unfortunately, that's painted that um, everybody kind of thinks of it that way before anything else. Mm. And it's unfortunate because mm-hmm. it's, it's uh, I, I guess it wouldn't be victim shaming, but you know what I mean? Like downplaying what it is because, oh, she's exaggerating or whatever it happens to be. And I just mm. think that right now that's kind of where they're at. Um, you know, they want to look at more and they're going to need more information. Now, mm. my issue with it is that you and I both just said we were like Trevor Bauer last week. And so I'm oh, when he was that. talking about, we were the, talking about the thing and we were talking about attack. Yeah. yeah. And we're just like how he approached hey. it and like his, you know, again, his character on the mound and the fun he was having with the game and all that kind of stuff. And we're like, yeah, we used to hate him when he was with Cleveland. You know, now he's kind of fun to watch. Well, obviously that seven days Later, I will take that back and, um, mm. yeah, I would scratch it off the list. Now, the way Dave Stewart approaches it and whatever, I don't care. I don't think Trevor Bauer cares. I don't think most people care. Like, there's no relation there with <laughs> Dave. You know what I mean? Like, that just doesn't mean anything. So Dave Stewart hating over here. I, I, well, I'm with you there. I, look, I, uh, where there's smoke, there's fire, generally. Um, but this has a this has a lot of a, a, a Yan Gomeshi feel to it. Like, I, be, I guess there were multiple... Um, visits, multiple meetings where the same abuse happens. So it really becomes very convoluted and, and stuff. I'm not by no means am I, uh, you know, like the beha- I'm not condoning the behavior at all, but it's got a really, there's a lot of layers to it, but Hey, listen, you know, when something like that comes up, I'm sure the Dodgers have sat him down. The Dodgers organization is very different than what it used to be. You know, they got magic Johnson now uh, uh, as one of their execs. They've got a lot, a few celebrities. It's not quite what it used to be. So, it's very interesting how they handle it. Anyways, we'll see what happens. Uh, Trevor Bowers, that's a big deal for them. He's one of their top three pitchers. So, I mean, uh, from, a, from a player perspective on the field, I mean, if they lose Trevor Bauer, thank, I'm almost not thanking, thanking the Lord that the, the Jays didn't sign him. That would have been a waste of money if he gets suspended. So, yeah. Um, anyway, that's kind of a good segue to what, what I want to talk about next. The Toronto Blue Jays today. I, I, I can't imagine anyone super surprised. Sorry, I gotta play. No, no, I only you, get it so I was, often. I was hoping you'd play sexy boy again, but that's cool. Whatever. It's a, it's, it's only once a show. I get it. I yeah. get it. Okay, we're good. Is it your song um, or is it just random? Are we now the unsportsman like <laughs> sexy boys? Like, what is this? <laughs> Rocking sexy boys on sportsman like. Oh, um, Blue Jays traded a Rowdy Telez. Uh, Rowdy Telez. I mean, first baseman DH, big guy, slow, decent defender. Was batting like under a hundred when he got demoted again. Uh, he's had his chance last couple of years, and you know he's shown some power, some pop, but not consistent enough for the Jays to really say, you know what, let's keep him. They ended up uh, making a trade for Corey Dickerson. That was the writing on the wall for him. Tellez a trade to the Brewers today for right-handed reliever Trevor Richards, who's been traded twice this year. He was traded from Tampa to Milwaukee and now Milwaukee to Toronto. Uh, he is a hard-throwing reliever. Um, he was also a starter, so he's going to be really—he's going to be like a Ross Stripling kind of guy, I think, for them, Trent, Trent Thornton style. 
and Bowden Francis, Bowden or Bowden Francis, another uh, minor league pitcher who apparently has got some uh, quite the array of pitches. I've been doing some studying on him. So, you happy that Teles is gone? You sad? Do you care? It was he a factor in your eyes? You happy? Uh, you happy? <laughs> I'm I'm happy for Rowdy. <laughs> you happy? You happy? You happy? Yeah. yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy for Rowdy. Like he didn't, he was didn't have a spot in Toronto anymore. So it's got to suck, not knowing where you're at, what's going to happen, be traded. You know, it also affects your playing ability because you got to be really dialed in when you're playing Major League Baseball to hit. So you can see that's been affected a bit because you kind of never no know when you're getting in. There's no prep there. Um, so I'm happy for him to go to a spot that hopefully there's an opportunity there for him. I, I. You know, I think he can be an effective player given the situation he'd be put in. Um, I also think that, you know, those are good returns for a guy like him. They they address Absolutely. some spots that, that the Blue Jays need. There's some yeah. longevity there where you say, you know what, yeah, we're taking a shot. You know, I mean, you know, at the time we traded uh, – uh, who was it that we traded uh, Thor? What's the uh, – Oh, R.A. Dickey for... Uh, yeah, so we got R.A. Dickey, and we sent over some prospects, and one of them being Syndergaard. So, you know, again, there's always those situations. You never really know until it happens, and who knows? Maybe this kid, you know, again, a good array of pitches, that's great. You know, versatility is great. Um, so, yeah, I, I like it. I think it's a great trade. I like the fact that they picked up a pitcher who can pitch now. So, you know, you get a guy who's got some talent in the minors. He was 42nd uh, in MLB's pipeline or whatever. Um, that's pretty high, but, uh, you know, you get a kid like that, but you get a, a ready-made pitcher now who can start and come out of the pen. I think it's super helpful now in today's MLB when you, you know, when you're going with, uh, like a pitcher for two or three innings, I think those guys are perfect and they don't have really any long relief. It's all sort of one inning guys, you know? So I've seen enough of, like, uh, yeah. Rafael Dolis myself. I feel like we have no relief. Like as a fan, you watch the game and anything after the six is just, <laughs> You know they're piecing, yeah, they're piecing together though. I think that trade that they made uh, to get the that uh, underhanded guy Simber. I Have we seen him pitch deal. yet? No, he hasn't pitched yet, has he? Yeah, he's pitched. I pitched uh, the other night. Oh, I missed uh, him. Underhanded guy. Is I that mean, the third? Uh, I mean, yeah, third game against Tampa. Yeah, and they're getting healthier. Some guys are coming back, so you know I think they're going to be okay. I, th- I don't. I don't. By no means are they finished, which is my next question to you. Like, what's what's next? Like a catcher, Danny Jansen's been called back up. Um, Alejandro Kirk for the, looks like for the time being is going to stay down in the, uh, in the farm. Uh, Riley Adams was the other guy they brought up when Jansen got hurt and he's gone. He's gone. He, he didn't really show much. That kid, Gabe Moreno that I was talking about earlier had surgery on his, I think it was wrist. So he's out for a few weeks. There's no way he'll, he'll sniff the MLB this year in, in that case. Um, so there it's basically McGuire and Jansen right now and Kirk. So what do you think? Another move? I mean, any move that's out there is going to be one that is fabricated by Blue Jays management. Like, they're going to need to orchestrate a a deal with a team that isn't actively shopping their catcher right now. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it's going to have to be a significant piece that goes back to that's attractive enough to get these teams to open up. And it's got to be a team Mm -hmm. that has depth at that position because – you know, again, it's not going to be a um, a starter, a star with no good backup behind it, uh, behind them. So, uh, 
you know, it would take, I'd have to go through the rosters and figure out maybe where we can attack that sort of thing, but that's not my job. That's what the GMs are for. So I feel like if they are going to be able to address that, then, you know, there's probably only a handful of teams that fit the criteria. Well, they have to be out of the playoffs. No, no team that has an opportunity to make even the wild card is dealing their catcher. It's just not going to happen. Uh, you know, I'd love to get is Kansas city anywhere near the playoffs. Yeah, probably. Eh? They're kind of, they're always sniffing around, but I think they've fallen off recently. The white Sox are taking that division, I think. And the Indians are still, still the Indians, still good pitching. And, uh, you know, I would uh, love, we, is it Perez? Salvador Perez. Is he still even there? Yeah. Is he, he's he'd, still, be a, he'd be a great, he's, he's I think, a real grinder. Oh, he's, and I think he would fit in really well character wise with the guys in the Jays too. Like he seems oh, for to sure. Be, anyway, I've always been a big fan of his and I'd love to see well, him. Interim. Teams are just poaching the Pirates like crazy. I mean, they, they just dealt another guy yesterday. So the Pirates are always in sell mode just because that's the way they run their their show. But um, <laughs> it's funny. I was looking at the in the last couple of years, all the players that Toronto has traded to uh, Milwaukee in specific, that Vogelback kid, big that big hefty kid they got last year, Smoke, uh, Travis Shaw, who's another slow first baseman, slow big, and now Telez. So it's like a pipeline of big bruising guys. They could, that's an offensive line for most teams. Uh, yeah, I think that's, uh, there was a highlight of one of the first basemen. I think it was the vocal guy you were talking about. And he, yeah, he looked like a pulling guard. He's a big guy. Yeah. Vlad Guerrero is the leading vote getter for the all-star game. And he's the youngest to have that distinction. That's pretty cool. Um, it's I'd cool, like but it's wrong. Who should be, oh, you think Otani should be the leading vote getter? Yeah. I think so. I, well, yeah, I, you you know brought what? it up and you put it on Facebook <sighs> and a couple of groups of how like, the Angels, it's it's like it sucks the stardom from the players that are there. Mike Trout being one of them. Like Mike Trout's still a big star, but he would likely be. Imagine him in Boston or New York or somewhere like that. Otani is doing this. Like it's the the more it goes, the the more impressive it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. I love Vladdy, but this kid, like just when you see the stats and you say, hey, you know what, this guy got in as a um, a pitcher and as a hitter, like, it's insane. And he's in the Derby. Which is the reason I mean, I'm going to watch the Derby. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know who else is in the Derby is, uh, and again, I am not a Baltimore Orioles fan. In fact, they might be my one of my least favorite teams, but Trey Mancini's in the Derby. Oh, yeah, just survived cancer. And, yeah, he. Uh, so he's back this year. I'm kind of I'm kind of rooting for him. It's a soft spot for him. Um <laughs> Christian Couturier. Thanks, Today, buddy. Today's UC show brought <laughs> uh, to you by R.A. Dickey and Tom Brady's balls. I'd like to see Vladdy in the in the Derby. Uh, you know, I... Uh, we've seen him. He was there last year. I want to see him again. He didn't win it, but he hit 30 in one round or something crazy. And I just, he was the most you know, impressive he, guy in that tournament, in that Derby. Let the guy relax and get ready for the second half of the season. Fair, that was a team fair. they weren't, you know, they were kind of out already there. The expectations were low, whatever he's yeah. focused. And I think that speaks volumes for him to be like, you know what? I'm not doing it because I need to make sure that I'm good to go for the second half of the season. I don't I need to appreciate that. Yeah. There's I a like kid it. in uh, there's a kid in Texas. Who's got crazy power. He's a catcher. His last name's Huffy he hit a 520 foot home run uh, in my, it's, it was in the minors. He's uh, but he's a, he's part of the Texas Rangers uh, uh, program. So I, I love seeing big dingers. I mean, that's just uh, oh, geez. There's so many audio clips I gotta oh, snip geez. out before you, this. We're gonna, 
We gotta take a time Tom, out. Tom Brady's balls got that. Roman numerals, and I love big dingers. <laughs> All right. Hello. Hello. Hey. Anyways, so I the Jays uh, really quickly are just you know they gotta keep they they start a, a three game set I think with Baltimore and then they they end uh, the end of the week in Tampa, which is you know those are these are big games. I mean the the Red Sox are twenty two games over five hundred. Their first place, and what? they're winning all these. Oh, my God, really? I know. It's crazy. So, you know, I think as of now, the Jays are like nine, nine and a half back. If the playoffs started today, they wouldn't even be in the playoffs. I mean, they got to get their act together. This isn't a joke anymore. I think, you know, um, like losing these one-run games. And, you know, a lot, the other night uh, they lost to, I think it was the third game in, against Tampa. T. Oscar, a ball went over his head. He misplayed it. Like, they had some some uh, gaffes on the on the bases. Like again, like guys, they gotta focus. They gotta play like tighten up their D and understand that all those little things are gonna cost them at the end of the season. Um, what do you like? Are you concerned at all about them not making the playoffs? Like, is this a thing? Yeah, they it's, might not make the playoffs, guys. Yeah, that's that's very like, realistic. Like, do we make moves or do we just stand pat and say, hey, if we, if we didn't make it this year, Ryu's got one more year in his contract, uh, you know, like, uh, let's, we'll go for it next year. Like, what do we, if we said, look, place to be. a year and a half ago, whatever, we said, you know what, we're bringing up Bichette, um, Vladdy, um, Biggio. Biggio, thank you. Uh, we're bringing up the core, young guys, uh, you know, and in three years from now, we're going to be really good. We would say, great. That's perfect. This is year two, really. Mm-hmm. And they're making some really good strides to get there. We don't need to sell. And we're dealing with a ton of injuries. True. I don't think True. you make any, like, real major moves. You know, again, try and fill some some pieces. But, again, at the same time, you got to also account for all these arms you're bringing in. When people start getting healthy, now what are you doing? Who are you keeping? Mm-hmm. Where are you putting them? You're sending them down, this and that. Maybe they're one-way deals. I don't know. Whatever. So with all those things to consider, I think you're you kind of stand pat, make a couple of these small moves, which I really like, address issues that you have currently, and if you have future considerations or future prospects, that's even better. Mm-hmm. And you know, say hey, let's tighten up defensively. Let's tighten up. Let's you know what I mean? Like let's get some more consistency. And that was my thing last year too. Is I found that the infield, there's so many moving parts that it was really hard to get that that mm-hmm. offensive lineman gelling sort of feel from an infield. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Simeon brings a good, solid veteran presence there within mm-hmm. that infield. But I still would like to see a bit more consistency and some better defensive play from guys that should be better than they are. They have a surplus of players in the outfield. They have a surplus of players in the infield. And they have a surplus of players at catcher. You combine all of that with some pretty decent prospects like Logan Warmoth or, or I think it's Kevin White, Kevin Smith. Can't remember. He's a shortstop. Anyway, they've got some decent prospects who teams might be attracted to. I think, you know, it's time to, uh, you know, utilize the, the position of strength that you've put yourself in with all these additional players. And you got to go out and get an impact player because I, I, I think if they just stand pat right now, I think they will be on the outside looking in, not by much, not by much. They'll fight for a wild card. But this team, in theory, if you look at all the talent they have, I mean, they should be number one in this in this division, not the Red Sox. No offense to the Red Sox. That's a team that's still got a veteran presence and guys that, you know, situational hitting, and they do it all. And they, they, you know, I think starting pitching might be something that they're going to address. 
but then you're still got to leapfrog Tampa. You haven't even, they're still in, in front of you. So that's a big series coming up this weekend, pal. That's a big series in Tampa. That's, that's more that again, the Tampa seems to be the team that we can really use as a measuring stick of how Toronto's playing. And I thought that the last series they played was pretty good. I would have liked to have seen them promising. close it out uh, with the third. Yep. You know, again, this whole two and one, three or four, two and two kind of thing. Like these are, these aren't going to get us nine games caught up. You know what I mean? We need to start sweeping series and really closing it out. And that's what I feel like this Blue Jay team hasn't really done yet is, is take advantage when they have it and, you know, spread it out. Like understand it's a series as opposed to, you know, again, you can't really control it. If your bats are on fire, they're on fire, mm-hmm. but have the mentality that says, yeah, we put up 20 yesterday. Okay. You know what I mean? Like we need to make sure that we can put up runs today to put up what a 16, one game. And then you put up one or two, two. like the next, you know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff can't happen. And yeah. You know, again, it's not, I know it's easier said than done for me to be like, oh, I'm just going to save some runs for tomorrow. No, but you got to also then from a management standpoint, managerial standpoint of saying, you know what? And I think that's probably one of the the issues with uh, a team that could put up runs so quickly is that you got to know and have a better a finger on the pulse of your team and say, you know what? Today, they're not going to put up 16 runs. We need mm-hmm. to start to fabricate them. We need to be more aggressive on the base pads. We need to bunt, hit and runs, whatever. We need to fabricate some runs to get into this game. And because, you know, they're not going to put up 16. I think that's also from a management standpoint. You see, Mike's not here. Thank goodness. I must have said standpoint many times now. <laughs> but from Charlie's viewpoint, you say you always think they're going to put up eight runs or they have the ability to put up eight runs in an inning. So you never sort of panic. You never kind of go that route until it's too late. And I think there's got to be a way that he is better tuned to his team to know like the vibe on the bench, the the hits, whatever it is. Are we going to be able to, to manufacture runs? If not, I need to take control of this and say, you know what? We're going to push it. We're going to be more aggressive. We're going to make the other team make mistakes, not just strike out and not put any pressure on them. That's Mm. the kind of stuff that irritates me. Hey, listen, uh, I'm going to say something bold. If the Jays don't make the playoffs this year, Charlie's Charlie's not coming back. I think he's, I think Charlie, I like him as a person. I like him. I like how he handles the press conferences. Sometimes when he makes a bad decision, he takes, he owns up and he's, he's, he's good. Like he's a good talker. I think he's in over his head. I feel like, I feel like the, the spotlight's just too big for him with a team now that is, is expected to win. Right. I don't know if Charlie's the guy. Again, I have nothing to base it on other than my sports instinct. That's really all I have to go on with, with Charlie because the optics, he's, he's a good speaker. He's a lovely dude. The players seem to like him. They, you know, um, it's just a gut feeling that I think they need a, a stronger presence. Do they need to, uh, Tony La Russa? No. Do they need Jimmy Leland? No. But they need maybe a Bruce Bochy, someone who's had some experience winning, winning the cup. Experience winning. The winning. I also like, you know, the Red Sox, Yankees, and kind of when they have those players who have done it, been there, be, be the management, especially yeah. for a team like Toronto where it is full of young guys. We keep talking about them bringing in vets to be the leaders and sort of like show them the way and guide them. If you can have a manager in that yeah. spot that has had that success, has the has had a career, has gone through everything you've gone through and came out the other end better for it and say, you know what, 
I'm the leader and you can follow me regardless of who else we have. I think that would go a long way for the development of a team like the Jays have right now. I couldn't agree more. <sighs> Do we have that uh, NBA, that, that, that NBC? Oh, oh, that? oh, Mikey's. Uh, shout out to Mikey. He's got a baseball game or something tonight. So he is not here. We miss you, Mike. Uh, We're already fumbling our stats and everything. We are. I don't think I have a basketball. One. Oh, yeah, I do have a basketball. One. Yeah. There we go. Anybody who anybody who grew up in the '90s watching, uh, you know, the Rockets and the Knicks and the Bulls and Suns, Suns remembers that remembers NBA on NBC, and that's exactly what it, how it started. Man, it gives me goosebumps. Speaking <laughs> of NBA. The NBA Finals start tonight. I don't even think half the people know. <laughs> it's the Milwaukee Bucks against the Phoenix Suns. Milwaukee likely is without, um, I'm just going to say number 34 because I can never pronounce his last. Giannis Antetokounmpo. You've always been um, good at pronouncing names, so don't go losing that it's now. tough. I rely it's on tough. you. Number 34, I'm going to call him that for tonight. Sore throat. Um, so the, he is doubtful. Uh, or questionable. I can't remember how they use how they word it in the NBA, but questionable, uh, which is generally means unlikely. Uh, but they won. They beat the Hawks in a in a uh, clinching game seven without them. Bigger surprise to you to make the finals, Milwaukee or Phoenix? Uh, or Milwaukee. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're a bit more. I mean, I think I chose Phoenix in our preseason stuff of like teams to look I think out we for. All did. Um, no, it was just me. And then, uh, I think, <laughs> um, <clears throat> but I, I think the box were always kind of up there, but I think we all thought that, you know, Brooklyn might take it or, uh, uh, Philly, even Philly exactly. Like those kind of Philly, Miami, uh, yeah. you know, some of those teams, but, um, yeah, I think the bucks are a bit more surprising in that sense. Milwaukee's a funny team, mate. Eh? So nobody would, people would be. They're not surprised that they're in the finals, but if they lost, they wouldn't be surprised either. They're right. They're kind of right in the middle. Like they're, they've gelled. Uh, somebody who somebody posted. I think it was Sig that posted a picture of them in 2013, 2014, and they have their two stars are Chris Middleton and uh, and Giannis Antetokounmpo, and the team that they have now are a completely different crew from what they had in 2013, and they finished last in the NBA. So he brought up a good point. Like a lot of teams give up too early on their stars, or they'll trade them, or they'll. Milwaukee stuck with their two pillars, with who they decided these are going to be the two guys we build around. And he they said those are the got... only two guys that are left from that team. But yeah. in NBA 2K, they were also like the, the lowest-ranked skill-wise players on that team at that uh-huh. time. And That's they kept wild, them, and right? now they've taken them to the championship. Hey, Chris Middleton, it's his show tonight. If Giannis doesn't play, he, he's got to put up 25, 30 points. So... It's a, they're a fun team. They're a funny team. They're well coached, but like this playoffs, I've watched a little bit of them. They're, they've lost games by 15 or 20 and they've won by 15. Or, like, they're so unpredictable. Again, I wouldn't be surprised if they win and I wouldn't be surprised if they lose. I think Milwaukee was one of the top three, top four teams in, in the East. Obviously the last couple of years that the year that the Raptors beat them there, that was their year. I thought that was the year that they had the squad to take it. So, you know, the fact that the Raptors got past them was pretty impressive, but I, I, I mean, if if uh, 34 is able to play, I like them against Phoenix. But, man, like you said, it, Phoenix was, um, you know, when they brought in Chris Paul and, and DeAndre Ayton's another year older, and they got guys like Jay Crowder who've got playoff experience. 
and they've got wing guys, long wing guys that can shoot threes. Phoenix is a fun team to watch, and they're well coached. I've, I talked about Monty Williams all year and how good a coach he is. Chris Paul loves him, so it's going to be an. It's going to be if it, if I can use one word for this, it's going to be interesting. I don't know how entertaining it's going to be. You heard it here, folks. The NBA Finals, game one is going to be interesting. Interesting. That's all I got. (laughs) I mean, that's all I got. I have no pulse, no no finger on the pulse of who's going to win, who's going to lose. They're two different styles. Um, One team can shoot the three really well. The other team struggles to shoot the three. It's going to be interesting. So anyway, I'll see. I'll have more for you next week after a couple games are in the books, and we'll see how how it goes. But uh, um, there's one more thing I wanted to talk about here. Oh yeah, Lansdowne Park, Lansdowne Park, tear down the north side. I think the city approved it uh, today. I don't know how they're going to do it or what they're going to do, but uh, north side stands as well as the. I think it's primarily because of the arena. I think the north side north side stands for the football games are. Uh, are, they're fine, but they're going to tear it all down so they can rebuild the... Uh, they're not fine. Uh, the north side They're not, they're not great. I, I mean, the toilets don't work. They have porta There's 30 porta-potties on site in a professional stadium because the toilets don't work properly. So that that in, should be enough of a reason to tear it down and rebuild. But the Civic Center, I, I, I kind of... It's, it's charming, no? Like, this <laughs> 67's game is how quaint, many... Um... Ugly pieces of furniture, <laughs> ugly cars, <laughs> ugly people that, that are called charming. <laughs> like the it's Civic Center, like I don't know. No? It's nostalgic in terms of an old barn and they had a couple of good runs, all that kind of stuff. You could probably keep, I think the Civic Center itself is probably okay. Um, but That's it's the reason the, they're tearing it down though. Well, I think it's the north side. Like the stands in the football stadium is what's the 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 part that needs to be replaced you can't have like the north side sucks was a chant that was there for years and years and years and that's when the south side just sucked a little less now the south side is beautiful and has this big um uh whatever you call it there uh mezzanine or whatever that you go and you can have drinks and go to the washroom and still not miss the game where the north side you got to like go through this concrete tunnel to this concrete uh, side wall that looks out over the dumpster next to the cow bin, whatever. Like, just it's it's garbage. If you can make the north side stands reflect the south side, now you got twenty five thousand people who are. There is no bad seat in the house. Maybe nobody's even sitting. You're on the mezzanine. They're all out there. It's a party all the way around. Um, I think it's a no brainer. You put so much money yeah. into the half of it. To, to not do the other half at this point is uh, would be dumb. Well, I know they're, they're talking about shows and a lot of, a lot of shows that maybe are, are smaller venue shows that maybe their Corral Center is too big for. I'll, I still call it Corral Center. I know it's CTC. Um, you don't call it the Palladium? Wasn't the that Palladium. the first one? <laughs> the Palladium, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know what the Civic Center holds. I know that one, that awkward side where it looks like there's like, it's like an auditorium, a high school auditorium where the roof is really low on the one side. It's a little weird uh, on that side, I find. Especially if you're watching a hockey game from that side, you're, it, you're almost too low. I mean, it's nice to be a little higher so you can see all the, the entire uh, ice. That side's weird. Uh, so from that perspective, yeah. Oh, I you're totally talking about the Civic Center. So the, the yeah, big the side and this one. Okay. Yeah. It's Corral Center. So, and, they want to be able to fill in. Uh, they want to be able to fill that uh, fill that 
arena with a few more people when they do have shows there. When they, they do have a lot of shows. And look, it's old. I mean, the good life that is underneath the building um, has had major leaks uh, due to concerts. I think that part of the roof caved in after there was a there was a rock and roll concert and people were jumping around and the roof caved in. So the, the gym had to close for like a week. So they, they had to do some structural repairs and whatnot. So, yeah, I mean, from that perspective, it's time for that thing to go and, and rebuild. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Hey, man, if it's anything like what they've done with Lansdowne currently, I'm all in. Lansdowne's beautiful. Yeah, half of it is. <laughs> if, you, <laughs> if you look at the south side, it's great. Hey, you know what? I, all I got to say is this. I've been on both sides as a fan, and I, I truly feel the south side sucks. Really? I, it's just in my heart. It, it, it's nicer to look at. It's nicer to stand in. It's nicer to drink at. There's more people that I, I like on that side. But watching a football game, I always felt like if I was going to buy a ticket to solely focus on the football game, it's the north side. And how come? What's the advantage? In case it's it rains, the, it's, it's, it's covered? In ca- well, in case, yeah, in case it rains. There's no, like, weather. college kids and stuff like that being re- loud and rowdy because they're all on the south side, so you get to sit with, like, the old guys that just want to be there I mean, for football? Check number two. Boom. Okay. You're nailing okay. them right now. I'm 44. I'm going to be 45 this year, okay? I, my, There's my an age are starting to- where the north side becomes more appealing. Yep. Is it also because I, if you have your binoculars out, you could you have something to look at as opposed to the north side? No, you don't? I'm not. No, no? I'm not okay. there yet, pal. Okay, just checking. <laughs> hey, I'm throwing things out there. I don't know what's uh, right, uh, what's wrong. I like it. Anyways, that's our show. Unless you've got anything else you want to talk about, I think we nailed it. That is it. We are going to beat it. Um, we're going out to. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm not okay. I'm not isolating that one. Yeah, let's just um, yeah we're gonna go out. Uh, Tragically hip. Nice. Fiddler's Green, one of my favorite songs, actually. And, Love it. Um, yeah. I hope you guys have a great week. Uh, this time next week it'll be my birthday, so hopefully we'll be in better spirits. You can hear her 
Sing a song. 